0: Storytime with Andy and Amanda. Okay, Amanda, what's going on today?
1: It's story time.
0: What's special about story time today?
1: We've got two guests. And what's
0: also special about story time today, though?
1: They might kill each other.
0: <laughs> well, your laptop's, tried to, your laptop's tried killing you today, so that's yes. a good start of that. Yeah, what, tell people what's happened to your laptop, Amanda, for I guess, on.
1: It's fallen to pieces.
0: Literally. Right, so, so, so we're sat next door to each other today, and we've got two was today, I think the friends. We're not quite sure on that one today yet, so <laughs> we've already had it today. Where one of them has asked me to reject the other one from trying to come back into Zoom and telling him to fuck off. So you can see what sort of In they a were loving head... way, though. is it a loving day- way today, Nick <laughs> and Clive? Let me ask you both that. Say again, is it a loving way that you, you, Nick, you won't tell Clive to fuck off today?
2: Absolutely not. No, 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 no. With, with violence would be preferable. But,
0: <laughs> right. yeah, I reckon
2: in Manchester that could be difficult to reach him in Swindon.
0: <laughs> right, well, we've got the, one, the fantastic client, Nick Law, and the equally bonkers Clive Osmond with us today. As, so that's the best way to put it now. We're going to let them just go for each other. Nick, give us a poem first to start things off today. And if someone insulting Clive is even better, we can get, start the way me to carry on.
2: I've, I have actually got a poem that wasn't written for Clive that is full of insults, but I didn't bring it along today. Although it was written for someone that Clive used to work with.
1: <laughs>
2: that one I wrote for Ollie. We had, we had a rather annoying cameraman that used to work with us who um, he could dish it out, but he couldn't take it. And winding him up was much fun.
1: <laughs> but anyway,
2: I thought I'd start with something really really serious and highbrow um, I once slew a metaphor I tracked it long two days or more over river mountain moor until in rich and leafy glade it confronted me with a mighty roar it leapt attacked claws ripped teeth snapped knocked me flat upon my back It weighed a thousand tons of coal, its pelt black as a devil's soul, its mouth a scarlet pit of hell, its breath a most disgusting smell. It reared to strike again, and I drew my knife, and with a cry of fear thrust forth my trusty blade, prayed that it was strongly made, that it wasn't poorly aimed. I didn't want this creature maimed. My strike was true, the metaphor collapsed upon the firm-strewn floor. It fixed me with its emerald eye then in its high-pitched voice asked, why? It gave a sigh, and asked again, its voice now weaker, full of pain. I assumed the question was not rhetorical. Your death, dear sir, was purely allegorical. Thank you.
0: Amanda, I want to let you say something.
1: Enjoyed that. It's like a nice little story. Yeah, <laughs> not a bedtime story. <laughs> no,
0: it's not. It's not Nick. If you fair-minded, mind everybody's listening today? Nick is available for reading for children's parties. <laughs> not necessarily all the time. What an no, excellent piece, mate. So, <laughs> Clive, over to you, mate. Okay.
3: Well, the first thing I want to say is that the only trouble with Nick is that he exists. <laughs> um, <laughs> Other than that, there's nothing wrong with him. I'll turn it
2: up
0: for you. <laughs> so the word this was gonna be an audio only. It might have to stay audio only who knows now. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so I'm gonna start with um an old favorite, which I've been doing for several years now, but I keep rewriting bits of it just to keep it fresh. And I've done a bit more rewriting. Um so again, for I always explain for people who Listening, who are not from the same area as me, Uh, as I'm from Birmingham, and there's an area just outside Birmingham called the Black Country, which got its title from uh, the Industrial Times when, you know, the soot soot and the smoke. um, So that's that's how the the Black Country came about. And they have got their own very special dialects, and they do use their own words sometimes. For example, the word, which I'm going to use in this poem, busting, means really good. So, um, so yeah, this is typos. And it's a rather random take on what would happen if every single typed mistake changed the world to fit its template. If one letter omitted or added, any others changed or out of place had a consequence for the human race. We would have violin music by Shaganini. David Blowy with his green weenie. Old-time comedy from Scrotum and Wise, Kate Bush's Man with the Chili in His Eyes, Boris Johnson snorting lines as he fathers bastards and spouts his lies, MPs from the gory party going to work to get high on Charlie. But even in the strangest of times, we need to get tough on rhyme and and on the causes of rhyme. So Simon and Gar Carbuncle's greatest hits would include The Sound of Violence. Here's to you, Mrs. Sod and bridge over troubled Walter. I don't know why Walter is troubled or even who he is, but it seems somewhat harsh to stick him under a bridge. We could have some wonderful movies as if the originals needed improving, like A 101 Damnations, a hell of a film, I'm sure you'll agree. Then The 39 Sheps, where Cruella decided the change of breed would just as well fulfil her need. And Neil Diamond in The Jizzlinger is a real hondinger, And Joseph and his amazing testicular dreamboat, whatever that may be about, and inglorious bat turds about a flying mammal that met Ozzy Osbourne and crapped itself with nerves. We would have criminal spice girls called Felony B and Felony C, muse singing about a supermassive asshole, and that's not all. Kids would hear Humpty Dumpty shat on the wall. There would be a black country killer called the Boston Strangler, and Gordon Brown is a song by the Danglers, a bit of hard walk never hurt anyone, though this I doubt. One over the head and your lights would be out. A bird in the hand is worth two on the boss, I concede. A friend in need is a fiend indeed. Liverpool fans singing, you'll never wank alone. The butcher giving his dog a boner. Putin interfered in Trump's erection and probably caught a nasty infection. And I heard Harry Potter's knoblet of fire appears to be up for hire. How much? If you ever have to ask the prick, you can't afford it, squire. Now, I think this poem is the dog's bollocks. Others will call it puppycock. But on one thing we can all agree, too many cocks really do spoil the broth. And you could end up with cheesy bunion sandwiches and the packet of clitoris all sorts. But whatever you have to he- to eat, be careful not to choke. I wouldn't know what to do, and there's enough pressure already on the emergency dervishes. Thank you very much.
0: Tremendous. OK, I normally ask Amanda now for some comments, but I'm going to ask Nick. Nick, what do you think of that piece of clothes?
2: Every time I hear it, it makes me laugh. There's always something in there that I either haven't picked up on or forgotten since the last time I've heard it. It's, it's an interesting... Interesting view into the
0: workings of his mind. <laughs> <laughs> that's, one way of, that's one way of putting it. Yes, it is. He's. He does was, work was clever. I expect Nick to insult you, and that's a that's rare, right, but he's been nice to you.
3: Like, yeah, he's last, obviously after something. That was a compliment.
1: Right,
0: I'm going to ask Amanda, man. there any comments?
1: Yeah, it felt like it took a long time to make it something like that.
3: Sorry, what was that?
1: It felt like the kind of thing that it would have taken a long time to value. Um, not really. It, it did
3: and it didn't. Um, the idea came to me um when I genuinely did send somebody a message with a typo, and I, ju- I just, I just sat there thinking of possible typos, and that uh, maybe I'll write down loads of examples, and it, that probably took me a day or two, and then actually putting the thing together and making a so-called poem out of it uh it was, was actually a very quick process and then i have changed it a few times over the years as i said but um but yeah it, it was fun to write
0: yeah i think i get that with both your works in some ways because um yours here eh, life certainly like yours is under like it's like a jigsaw puzzle where you're trying to piece them all together isn't it you, you get the little threads and trying to find it but yours Nick, is uh, yours is much more like it's a to z or you're following you're getting the rhythm going on it and that's when it's Different sorts of pieces, but great in both cases. So that's what both are area today. Right, I'm going to do one. I've got some silly stuff I'm going to do later. You two haven't heard yet, but I to do one serious piece today. Um that. I've got and um, I've just bought a serious poetry book out as well, the first one on the wild list. This is called In the Mists of Winter. Now the poem in that I'm going to read is you know, when you write you think about where you've lived and stuff. Um I've had a couple of occasions of places where I've places where I've nearly moved to, and I wrote a poem about them so. So this is called open Ground. Leighton, you asked me to move in with you when I was 20, but I couldn't do it, saying it wasn't right for me, and we drifted apart. You told me you felt the same in that Manchester. 29 I was when the landlord asked me when I looked at that bedsit 15 minutes in Greenwich Council before the council then told me that the job was only temporary, and I didn't end up taking it when all the bedsit when I saw mice. 32 I was when I fell in love with Kemptown and spent a month on and off your sofa and your ex boyfriends before giving up when I couldn't get a job there and stumbled back to Manchester, my relationship in pieces. Peeling regrets in my heart every time I nearly moved away I ended up returning back, barely able to look at myself, inscribed in memories, ramming fine inside me in rage of pent up emotions, telling myself each time it was for the best. Casting a victory over each segment of my life, wrestling in darkness and my sadness, leaving me facing the music every time I moved on, building home after home, whether on the coastline or crushed on the London Underground, steaming down the sunset until I found my real home was inside my heart, not inside a suitcase. Cheers, guys. Okay, over to Amanda. Okay.
1: Oh, I've got some
0: stuff. Oh,
1: right, what have you got? <laughs> I'm gonna read a piece called 10 Things You'll Be Surprised to Learn Were Created by Robots. Number one, those weird captures on websites that were supposed to prove you're not a robot. Number two, kale. Nobody who actually eats food would ever create this. Number three, a key finder. Most people who can't find their keys, can't find their key finder either. Number 4. Sex dolls. These weren't created for us. They were created by robots for themselves because they get lonely. Number 5. Rest cushions. No human would ever create these. Number 6. Motorized ice cream cones. Have you ever tried eating an ice cream while it's moving? No, neither have I, but I imagine it would be messy. Number six and seven, seven I'm on. Right, that annoying little paper clip that used to pop up in Word when you were in the middle of something important. Number eight, the mute button on Zoom. Number nine, <laughs> PPI calls, which makes sense as most of these are now made by robots after humans refuse to make them. Number ten potholes. The robot's plan is to one day throw all of humankind down a giant pothole and begin the robot revolution. Oh, that's cool.
0: Excellent, Amanda. <laughs> Brilliant stuff, look, Definitely that. It's worth noting that it's from a book, and you're reading from that book today, Amanda, aren't you? So, yeah. What's the book, It's
1: called You Won't Believe What Happens When You Buy This Book, A Spoof Clickbait Collection.
0: So that gives you clues what we're getting for the second half and rescue rest of Amanda's pieces today. So, okay. So, must back to the people that, that entertain us, Nick Lovell.
2: Okay, seeing as it's come out towards that uh, most wonderful time of year, I thought I'd uh, drag this one out because it only ever gets performed about once a year, if uh, And It's called Winter Break. Voices echoed back and forth across the shattered landscape. Across the stark scenes, dressed with barbed wire, strewn with human wreckage and garlanded with mile upon mile of trenches. No snow here, just mud, spread, spread thicker than chocolate on a cake deep and stinking, clinging to cloth and skin and memory. Yet still as the guns fell silent and gentle rain hissed on the hot metal of their lethal barrels, voices rang out, foe calling foe, enemy calling enemy, brother calling brother. Language no barrier, while they shared few words, their mouths shared the same shy smiles, their faces the same sorrows, the same scars carved deep behind the eyes of all present, more fraternal, than any shared tongue. Handshakes and hugs as men who minutes before had been dedicated to each other's slaughter fumbled for understanding when faced with neighbours. Playful charades and cosmopolitan mimes abounded, conjuring cigarettes, tobacco, flasks of cognac, wine and the inevitable football. It never mattered who won or lost that day, just that the game was played and for one brief moment, sanity restored. Tremendous,
0: mate. Absolutely tremendous. Clive, I'll let you ask. What do you think of
3: that piece? Of? I don't remember ever ever hearing that before. Actually, <laughs> uh, um, I think it's great. Yeah, I, I do. Yeah, yeah. Amanda. much better than his usual stuff. He's got to say that. <laughs> Amanda, that's
1: a poem. It was good, but I can't really comment because I'm not really into sports and stuff.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh great stuff, Nick. So it's my side along. Clive, you've got to follow that. Though.
3: Okay, so um yeah, um, as you know, uh I am going for doing slightly eccentric stuff sometimes. Uh <laughs> and all um, struck and
0: saying no shit. <laughs> <laughs> just
3: occasionally, so in might... th- this is one of my favourites of my sort of nonsensey type poems. Um it's not everybody's favourite, I have to admit, but I enjoyed writing it, and I enjoy reading it. So, uh, And it's actually a slightly reworked attempt to combine the literary genius of Shakespeare with the comic genius of Robert Garnham on acid. It fails on both counts, of course, but fuck it. I've got nothing else. The original version of this I actually introduced as a rabbit pretending to be a dog. I'll scrap that bit for fear of spreading myxomatosis. But it's called Proper Poetry. Listen, I don't know what you're expecting tonight, but you know my head is not quite right and I'm going to write a load of shite. But if you tell me that, get ready to fight because I'm a vicious bastard when I lose it. They suggested anger management, but I refused it anyway. That's full of rhyme and that. And we all know rhyme is a bit old hat, even the cat. Modern audiences like something more sophisticated with the meaning disguised and pixelated, straightforward expression asphyxiated. Oh, bollocks. I can't help myself, can I? I really do try. I'll do this again, as Brittany said way back then. Stop it, you moron. Stop rhyming and write something obscure. You can do it for sure. Oh, for fuck's sake, man. There must be a cure. A slap in the face. Yeah, that might work. The moon rotates like my hippo in the washing machine on a 30 degree cycle. I hope he doesn't shrink. I've only got the one. Pink carnations spring down his nostrils like shafts of light in a dark, dank basement. The alluring aroma of coffee drifts into the far corners of the universe, reviving the stars as they begin to droop like a drunkard's todger. Look, you're all misunderstanding this. It may be superficially absurd, but listen carefully to the words. Done it again. The meaning is deeper than a Marks and Spencer's luxury mince pie with the bottom cut out like the tongues of mine enemies. If the, if It's there if you look for it like God, or bedbugs. i bet you wish I'd stuck to Rome yeah. I knew you would somehow, eh? Even though it's pretty low, bro. Chair. Thank you.
0: Oh, fantastic, mate. Fantastic. Amanda?
1: It's bonkers in a good way.
0: <laughs> and Nick says, that's funny, So <laughs> uh, Excellent. I don't, I don't think I've heard that one before, but again, it's, no, I'm sure, do you, Clive, I probably have heard it, and it's, or like with all you, I was always fantastic, so. Right, well, I've got to follow that one now, so. Okay, this is something new, actually, now. Um, Clyde and Nick, I think you both know, I've been writing some rather bonkers flash fiction about Martians and the Martian takeover of planet Earth. And This is the latest one, and this is called Martian Job Centre. After the Martian society finished taking over mankind, one of their directives was to replace all of the staff at the job centre with robots. You can't do that, some of the campaign groups protested. It's inhuman. Owners oh, were left shocked by the improvement in performance and the way the amount of joblessness decreased. Not all of their employment decisions proved popular, however, when they started forcing people into jobs they hadn't done before and wanted to leave, only to be told them if, they, if they left, they'd have to face the firing squad. This would have caused an unholy storm, of course, but it wasn't just the case that like the working class got treated like rubbish. But it wasn't when they announced that the last elected prime minister was going to work at McDonald's. After the corruption he spearheaded, a few people put that down as a ratings winner. He didn't agree, of course. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not naming, naming any prime ministers there, is all I'm going to say. one. I,
1: didn't...
0: I didn't myself, yeah. <laughs> Okay, okay. And at all. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to get through. something I'm saying no to me. It's all fiction, of course. So.
1: <laughs>
3: yeah, and I'm not saying the last elected Prime Minister was a liar, but the last really elected Prime Minister was a liar. But he'd probably say McDonald's food was good for you. <laughs> yeah, probably
2: was. <one. laughs> <laughs> oh, bloody good memory, Clive. Who was the last properly elected Prime Minister? Have <laughs> we had one recently?
3: No, well, Boris Johnson was elected because, he, you know, he promised to get Brexit oh, done. Oh, uh, yeah, he was, wasn't he, sort of? Yeah. Yeah, yeah well,
2: yeah,
0: but how I many Prime minister have I had since then? I don't know. <laughs> Way too many. <laughs> I remember.
1: I'll let you choose, actually, Andy. Oh, well, so, no, I'll the guest choose. OK. On. I can either do 10 things people would do if they acted like they do on Facebook in real life. Oh, I can do the answers to six of life's biggest questions.
2: I think it's got to be life's biggest questions. Yeah. We all, we all, need, we all need those answers.
1: <laughs> okay. First one is, where do missing socks go? The answer is, missing socks go to a special land where they can be unique. Why do we dream? Because committing murder in real life is illegal. <laughs> what happens inside a black hole? There's an illegal rave going on inside every black hole. What do butterflies get in their stomachs when they feel nervous? More butterflies. This is actually the scientific ways that butterflies get pregnant. If someone asks how, how you are, do they really want to know? Probably not. But you should unburden all your problems onto them so they learn their lesson and never ask again. Plus, it's fun to watch them squirm. And finally, do you want to be buried or cremated? Neither. I'm still alive. <laughs>
0: Fantastic, Amanda. Amanda. Yeah, I love yeah.
2: that. Oh, you're a genius, a, a bit about do people really want to? When people ask you how you are, I used to do that occasion in the taxi. Something going. All oh, well, right, drive. how's today go? Then? be the way. Actually, it's been a bit crap, mate. You know, I woke up had a bit of a hangover. You know, I've been getting grief off the missus all, and then you can just see them sitting there going, "Oh shit," he's actually telling me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> excellent okay Nick back to you my friend for your last, last piece last round your last piece moment.
2: well I thought seeing as uh, I know Clive will pull out something spectacular to finish with I'd pull out one of my uh, crowd pleasers it's called the jinx effect I'm, I'm never sure whether it's a poem a letter of complaint or a sad reflection on my faith in advertising <laughs> Or a
0: combo,
2: (laughs) we have. Or three. Dear Sir, slash Madam, slash Miss, slash Ms. I am writing to complain about either the rastity of your advertising campaigns or the quality of your range of underarm deodorant products available in my area. Since your range of products were released over 25 years ago, I have purchased 17,526 cans of the various aromas you offer Based upon your advertising campaigns indicating that I merely need to apply one small spray of any of your wide range of products to my body to precipitate a veritable storm of beautiful women filled with with desire as a result of sensing the aromatic bouquets that you have created and that I have purchased. It is my sad duty to inform you that not one of the cans I've purchased over the past two and a half decades has functioned as advertised and has not resulted in so much as a smile for many females at all, let alone the beautiful women depicted in your advertising campaigns. Not a bloody sausage. At first, I thought this lack of response from the opposite sex may have something to do with the amount applied. As a result, I have increased the amount I apply over the intervening years to see if this has any effect. I currently apply, apply approximately one can per day, per armpit, And the only effects I've noticed so far have been a certain lightheadedness for an hour or two after completing my toilet and a mildly painful rash. After several more lonely years, I also considered the application methods and remote locations shown in your adverts and have to report that having travelled to every beach currently reachable by car, rail, boat, plane, submarine and helicopter in the inhabited world, not a single girl approached me unless you count the female lifeguard who interrupted my experiment on Bondi Beach to advise me that my interpretation of the ninja-like moves essayed by the male model whilst applying deodorant in one of your television adverts was disturbing people. I'm also disappointed to note that the large wooden ark I've built in my back garden has yet to attract so much as one short, dark and ugly munta, let alone streams of blonde goddesses coming for me two by two. Whilst it has gained me some attention being named Noah on the front page of my local paper was not quite the result your adverts led me to expect. Having noticed with interest your campaign intimating that your products are of assistance in locating hitherto undiscovered tribes of Amazonian beauties with a propensity to remove their underclothes to signify their approval of my choice of sachet, I have spent what free time I've had over the last seven years, what with building a bloody ark and searching for that sodding beach, trekking across the world's last wildernesses. And as a result, can advise you that despite attracting millions of biting insects, flies, scorpions, spiders, snakes, and one over-amorous brown bear, your various products fail to attract one single woman or even any married ones. Therefore, it was with relief I viewed the adverts announcing the release of your His and Hers range of fragrances. This advert clearly demonstrates that these two new additions to your range are suitable for use in the urban environment. And thus, I purchased a case of the His variety and applied two cans of said range to each armpit. Once I was able to stand again and leave the house, I set off through town centre anticipating a wave of vehicular carnage with swarms of female volleyball teams tearing themselves free from the apocalyptic wreckage of myriad team buses, all overwhelmed with desire for me. Sadly, the only vehicular mishap to occur as a result of my use of your product was due to the dizziness following my over-application of the spray. In my disoriented state, I staggered into the road and was struck by a lorry. Undeterred, I applied my reserve can to my body whilst in the ambulance and can now happily report that at last, after 25 years, 17,526 cans of product, thousands of miles of travel, hundreds of miles of trekking, countless inspect fly, spider, scorpion and snake bites, one arc, one bear mauling and one life-threatening road traffic accident, there's finally been a result. One of the nurses in the intensive care unit has asked me for a date once my legs heal and I can walk again. His name is
0: Derek. Thank you very bloody much. Thank oh, you. fantastic, mate. Fantastic. Amanda.
1: I think Link I should lie. use this in the advertising. Yeah,
0: yeah, like, Link should use that in the advert. Definitely yeah, there. Can okay, you <laughs> my like <laughs> <laughs> Excellent stuff, mate. Anyway,
2: over to you, Clive.
3: Okay, so I mean I love the the jinx effects. It's one of my favorites of yours, Nick. I always I always love it when you do that in a set or on the mic or anywhere because it's it's great. Always makes me laugh. Right, Thanks. I'm gonna finish. Unusually for me, because um I don't normally do this, but I'm gonna finish on something brand new that oh. I wrote this morning. Oh. That I obviously nobody's heard yet. I've only read it lay once myself just to make sure it, it sounded okay. So I hope it works. And there is actually something quite spooky about this when you consider Andy's Andy's last poem. But that won't become apparent immediately, except for the fact that I've already mentioned it. now. Um, And this is called The Truth About Me. Okay, I'm going to tell you the truth about me. Most of you will think it's a fantasy because you'll never accept what you cannot see. Being open-minded is the key. Closed minds create hostility, and so many I have met will never be free of the willfully blind hypocrisy of those who preach inclusivity, but whose own boundless vanity refuses to show civility or sympathy for those who live their lives differently. You see, I am... I'm... I'm reluctant to say this, because you will take the piss. You'll say I'm mad or deluded or whatever insult each of you chooses but I am and this just happened, I didn't plan it. I am a spy from another planet. We are not a peaceful race, we are coming to colonise the place. I've been sent on a scouting mission to ascertain the best position, the key city to destroy with all the might we can deploy to force you into submission. But I couldn't bring myself to inflict suffering and death to an ignorant people so blind and deaf because, well, because I've fallen in love, I guess. I saw that photograph of Mona Lisa. And I thought it was I thought I was going to have a seizure. She was she is the world's most beautiful creature. I cannot do anything to defeat her or any place in which she features. I simply have to meet her. So in fact, i come in peace, yeah? She makes me weak. She makes me wobble. So I told my leader, if the earth must have another Chernobyl, Swindon is the place to knobble.
0: <laughs>
3: I said it was strategically vital, that its leaders were incredibly insightful, that its people were friendly and delightful. The locals may think me spiteful, but my Mona Lisa wouldn't be in a place so frightful. So let them flatten it. It's only rightful. Thank you very much.
0: <laughs> I'm not asking why, where that's come from.
2: I don't know. regularly complains that he's not recognised in Swindon.
0: I can't explain <laughs> why. No, I don't know why
3: either,
0: Well, I suppose the sequel piece came about dropping a nuclear bomb in Swindon, is it, Clive?
3: Oh, no, that's all. No, 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 no. As, as if I'd write a poem about anything like that. <laughs>
2: really, really? Yeah. The only reason why Betjamin wrote Come Friendly Bombs and Fall on Slough is because he couldn't find a rhyme right for Swindon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, on well, to me now. So, okay, uh, this is an old this and uh, this and it states me and Amanda have been and do go to a lot of writing workshops. This is not one of them. This is called Writing Group. You two might have been to a group like this before, but it's certainly not one I've been to writing group the first time you went to the writing group they pretty well ignored you after you arrived but the second time was weirder almost confusing when you sat down at the second table and the older woman that rally kept calling you by the wrong name for the first 15 minutes after the fourth time he said i'm sorry my name is andy not anthony i'm sorry she replied before turning to the older man sat on the next door to you Fresh memory again. Is flash fiction or poetry? Do you write again, Anthony? My name isn't Anthony, it's Michael. He tutted impatiently. Sorry, Michael, she blushed. I must have mixed up a little there. You looked at him puzzled as you turned to the third man sat on your table. Great to see you again, Anthony. What do you have to share this time? A real life murder story, unless you start calling me David, he responded. Love <laughs> <laughs> it, mate. I so, as I said, no, I've not been to a writing workshop like that before, so i not done what you've been doing, have you? Yeah. Right, man, you, you're going to give us that Facebook piece, man, then to wrap up with?
1: I was actually going to do one about cats at an illegal rave.
0: you hear that one. Facebook Facebook thing, all cats at an illegal rave.
3: I was you yeah, sure. classed last one. Yeah, I, I think the cats, definitely. Okay, go for cats then.
1: Okay. It's called, please were called out to an illegal rave, but you'll never guess what happened next. Neighbours called police to report their suspicions of an illegal rave at a house in Liverpool. Loud music could be heard from the street away, inside the house which had been empty for over six months. The police arrived but were shocked at their discovery. Instead of finding a drugged up horde of teenagers as expected, they found 30 cats taking part in an illegal rave. Each one was high on Mice Krispies, of which police suspected being spiked. The cats had all been reported missing by local residents during a 12-month period. The cats have now all been returned to their owners.
2: <laughs> I want some Mice Krispies.
1: Yeah, I mate. Mean. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Excellent, Amanda.
0: Well, that's it for today, guys, from time with Andy and band I want to thank the fabulous Nick Lovell, fantastic Clive Horseman. Hopefully, if people don't know, I know there's a hint going out, Clive, that would do the live show in Manchester next year. I hope I get to meet you, mate, is all I'm going to say.
3: <laughs> Let's hope so. <laughs> right, anyway, guys and girls,
0: that's it today. So you t- hang around, guys. Qu- uh, the so on right. You have microphone, so. Rob-wise. Hi. See you next time, folks.